All right, there we go. Welcome, everybody, to the All Elite Zone Talking Elite Episode 10. So, yeah, woo. Um, tonight is going to be the first um, of many episodes. We're going to do a wrestler spotlight um, starting today. Um, we're going to do it every second Tuesday of the month. Uh, so we'll do a different star each month. We'll discuss um, some of our you know, favorite moments of the, of the wrestler. We'll also be discussing promos, um, how they got their start. Um, it's gonna, Like I said, so it's going to be a really good show. Um, but before we get into the swing of things, let me introduce you to my tag team partner. He is the Bubba to my Devon. He oh. is everybody's favorite bearded wonder. Adam, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Hey, no, thank, thank you, Lane. This is <clears throat> actually going to be my first broadcast with you guys from my new apartment. So, yeah, so it's, inter it's an interesting setup. <laughs> so, uh, you know, hopefully when I come down to Florida, you know, I know it's going to be a little late for a housewarming party, but uh, hopefully when I visit Florida, we'll have a housewarming party for you. <laughs> well, not just that, but maybe we can do like a live like from my apartment. Right. Yes, totally. Um, so just before we get started, um, Connor is unfortunately uh, not going to be joining us tonight. Um, he had some internet trouble um, outside of his control. He had somebody with a car run into a pole and now his whole neighborhood is down. So uh, Connor will be in the chat tonight as well. So uh, he'll be talking with us uh, virtual, virtually through the chat. So he'll still be part of the show. He just won't be on screen. So yeah, um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully, Connor, um, hopefully next week or hopefully by tomorrow you'll get everything fixed because, yeah, like, that sucks. It's, like, out of your control, man. Yeah, no, definitely wish Connor was on tonight. He told me that <clears throat> before we came on tonight that he's like, hey, uh, I won't be on. Internet's down because of a car. I said, oh, well, all right, Lane and I got it. Yeah, so, yeah, man, it's going to, like I said, it's going to be a good show. Um, Ethan, already shown love to everybody. What's up, Ethan? Adam. Thanks hello, hello. So yeah, um, did you did you have a chance to watch last night's Dynamite? I have no internet, uh, so I've been oh, watching yeah, clips. Yeah. Uh, been uh, watching clips of it, uh, watching highlights of it. <clears throat> saw saw some good highlights of it. Um, I, I hate to tell tell you guys, I told you so, but <laughs> I was about man, to that, say, you told us that, that, right. That, I'm telling you, the guns, man. They, I'm thinking it might be like just a quick transition because yeah. I feel like the acclaim they're going to win them back at Revolution. Well, the thing is, who knows? Because they um, they put out a very snarky um, picture with uh, Dax Hardwood's favorite tequila. Did you see that post after they uh, after they won? I um, I think I missed that post. Okay, I'll. Um, but but yeah, hey, maybe you get later. maybe you get a triple threat at Revolution of yeah. you know they claim versus the guns versus FTR, which would be awesome. Which um, would be a good triple threat. Yeah, it was a very shock. Like I was like not expecting it to happen on random dynamite of all places. You know, I was thinking well, also, Revolution. People, but... I mean, a lot of people were also expecting the um you know the Billy Gunn heel turn. Yeah, but you know that you know they swerved that and were like, nope. Yep. <laughs> Jason Miller also says that he, he hates to admit it, but Adam to predict it all along 2023 of the guns year. So, you know, it's one of those things that, man, it was just such a, I thought last night's dynamite um, compared to what some of the critics have said um, and some other journalists like ourselves have said, but I really enjoyed last night. Like I liked the shock value 
um, of the guns winning. Like just listening to that crowd, like the air was just sucked out. Like it, it's been a while. Um, I think since we had a reaction like that specifically. Well, I think it's also um, the big thing was, I mean, a lot of people complain. They're like, wow. And the crowd goes mild and completely quiet. Well, yeah, that was the plan all along. They're a heel team. They're supposed to make you go, what the hell just happened? You know, so people complaining that's like that, that there's no reaction and everything like that. I was like, no, that's exactly the reaction the heels wanted you to get. Yeah, like it was a perfect like heel surprise moment. You know, um, of course, like I said, it wasn't going to be like when Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus won it or when the Lucha Bros won the titles. Like it was a complete shock. And I will give Tony Khan credit with this. And I know we had a, um, a discussion a little bit last night about this and kind of we had some disagreements um, on the show last night about it. But I really liked the call and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, I know a lot of people are upset because it's potentially going to be a rematch at Revolution. And it looks like right now there's what? three i believe there's like three uh rematches scheduled for revolution and a lot of people are not liking that aspect um what is your take on having like three rematches on that card potentially uh, well what are we looking at we are looking at a rematch possibly of the guns and the acclaimed guns and the acclaimed. Um, we're looking at wardlow and samoa joe samoa for the joe. tnt title and then um, a possible rematch of uh jamie hater it could be, yeah. There's that's another rumor I've seen around where it's Jamie Hader. That's the rumor could be Sammy, Jamie Hader and um, um, what's her name? Yeah, Tony Storm. Tony Storm, thank you. And then um, also Jericho and um, Ricky Starks. And Ricky Starks. So there, which is the match I'm really looking yeah. forward to. Um, yeah, that's almost like going to be like a generational, like passing of the torch kind of match. I think mm-hmm. from Jericho down to Ricky Starks. Um, but my take on the rematches. If they're done right, then I have no problem with it. If the matches go, you know, very cleanly, smoothly, and well, you know, all the perform, all the wrestlers put on the best they can, and actually get the crowd involved in their matches, then hats off to them. Um, the one I am hesitant about, even though they always have a banger, is um, Tony Storm and uh, Jimmy Hater. I'd, I'd like to see that as a triple threat. Yeah, uh, Jamie Hater against. Tony Storm versus uh, uh, Sheeta. Because uh, Sheeta's kind of like on the outside looking in of everything. Um, so I'd like to see that happen. Um, but I got a feeling if it's a rumor, the probably the one thing we're going to get is Ruby Soho, Jamie Hayter, and, and uh, um, Britt Baker versus Tony Storm, Soraya, and maybe a surprise partner. Yeah. I don't know who, but it I mean, they could Perlo swerve and Ruby Soho turns on Britt Baker and them and joins them. You know, it's yeah, it's a little thing that anything can happen. You know, um, especially like I said, uh, and like last night we were talking about um, the storylines going into you know Revolution and you know kind of not. I don't know if it's been put on ice or if it's just kind of like how they do with Hangman and. Um, you know, Kenny Omega, where they're planting seeds early on, like in, you know, the elite versus Kenny Omega, you know, versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page kind of um, inner, tor- you know, inner turmoil. So who knows what could happen? Um, and then, like I said, so that, that could be a possibility. Um, of course, we have MJF versus, you know, Brian Danielson, um, that one hour Iron Man match. 
And after last night, um, very controversial promo. Um, but before we get into the promo, uh, did, did you see clips of Takeshita and MJF last night? I did. I did. And MJF was very impressive in the ring with Takeshita. Um, I honestly thought they had great ring chemistry. Um, and, it, and MJF looks in great shape. Uh, probably some of the best shape I've seen him in in, in the past years in AEW. Um, I mean, because you can see abs on that guy now. So it's yeah. like he's in great ring shape. So like, I've been watching a lot of his um, gym stuff because he's been posting a lot of workouts in the gym. And he's yeah. increased, like, his protein intake. He's increased his muscle mass. Like, he is – like, so this is going to be one of the best matches, I believe, of his career. I agree. Yeah. No, I – with him and – yeah, with uh, um, Brian Anderson, yeah, I honestly think um, – um, they're both going to be putting on a clinic, really. Um, you know, MJF's going to play that whole heel going against the ropes all the time, circling around the ring, trying to keep away from Brian, extend it, everything like that, extend that hour. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a hard-hitting match like he had with Ricky Starks. Yeah. You know, and looking at, like, he, he was really working over, um, almost using Takeshita as, like, an example. Um, this is something that I kind of thought about today while I was at work, but he was basically targeting the same shoulder and arm of Takeshita that um, was causing uh, Brian Danielson issues. Yeah. No, um, I think, um, honestly, I think that was, I, I, I want to say it's kind of like his plan of, uh, look what I can do to catcher's arm. This is what I'm going to do to you. It was kind of like the mind games that MJF was playing with Daniel Bryan, knowing which arm Daniel Bryan or, yeah, Brian Daniel. <laughs> we all know he means. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Danielson. Um, so, um, yeah, he's playing that mind games with Danielson. And um, I, I think it's smart. I mean, it's the heel plan. Uh, it's the heel go. You know, it's it's – it's basically his forte. It's he's like, look, this is to catch his arm. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do to your arm at Revolution. So, yeah, it was one of those things that, like, it was a very well put together match. And even though Takeshita lost, I still think MGF um, put over Takeshita last night. Uh, like I said, he looked like I think Takeshita in the next three to five years. I think we'll be talking like we were talking about MGF when. Um, you know, when we first saw word of him, you know, getting signed by AEW and, you know, those first couple big moments he had with the company, um, you know, looking at it that way. And then leading into, you know, he hits, you know, Takeshita with that beautiful diamond ring. <laughs> and, like, that that was just a cool shot, uh, especially later in, in the episode where he had a bandage over it because it looked like a nasty welt. So um, yeah. I don't know if it was a real hit. And, you know, God bless Takeshita for taking that hit if it was a real hit. Or whoever is doing their makeup and effects and work, you know, and making it look pretty presentable. Um, that hair looked nasty. Yeah, no. Um, I want to say Takesh maybe leaned into it a little bit. Um, but, um, but um, yeah, no, I think, I think it's right spots with, I know that, I know they hate the term, but blading. I mean, it's a, it was a good spot for the blading yeah. and for the blood. I mean, it's, you know, it's the post-match beatdown of a heel on a face. Um, and I honestly think that you know, Takeshi was over regardless of that match with MJF. Of course, um, yeah. I mean, the crowd loves Takeshi. Um, he's put on a lot of good matches. 
um, whether it was on um, Dark or uh, Elevation or even on Dynamite or Rampage. Yeah. He, he puts on a match, a great match. I mean, that's just Takashi. And I agree with you. I think the next three to five years, we're going to be talking about him. Um, I honestly think Takashi can win an All-Atlantic title um, with an AEW. So. Yeah. Like, so there's some big things to come. Um, Mike Morris and kind of leading into kind of uh, before we start going into a deep dive, um, he brought up a very good point. Last night, uh, Mike felt that they made a lot of progress in the MJF and Danielson feud. It's getting more heated, and that's a good thing. Um, I agree with you, Mike, on that. Um, I always thought like, – I knew it was going to be a great feud, but last night uh, it just – every little thing like just hit on every check mark you know there was maybe one little thing i wouldn't have done personally but other than that i thought it was a really great um great match and then <laughs> my favorite promo that um he's cut a very rick flair-esque uh promo where he did a certain gesture that i'm surprised um <laughs> he got 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 through on tv um in a long term, he basically stated that he, you know, he had a, a girlfriend in the car. Um, they were having, you know, teenage fun on prom night, and he got the car wrapped around a telephone pole. And then he switched places with said girl. You know, he hey, he still checked, make sure she was breathing, which is good. I'm glad. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not the complete. Yeah, he's, not that, he's not that big of a guy. No, he's yeah. yeah. Um, but. Just you know, that was just such a. I thought it was a very risky promo, and it was it was so good. Going um back to Jason's uh, comment, that's why I saved it for this. Okay, oops, where to go? Ah, here we go. Um, they had over three hundred police calls were made after MJF cut that promo. I read that. I read that. So <laughs> he um, did his I job think that's well. A that that says that yeah, it says that's a job well done. That you know, um, that a wrestler can tell a story like that, whether it's true or not, to blur the lines between reality and fan- fantasy storytelling and professional wrestling. And uh, the fact that 300 people called and were like, uh, "Can we get this investigated? Because this might be true." But then again, how many people in that town? Like, how many people would like? <laughs> it's it's all the people that don't like MJF. All 300 calls were people who don't like MJF. Uh, <laughs> Might have been yeah. his own parents too. You know, his own parents might have called. Uh, Makes it more believable, but, uh, right? Yeah, it's more believable. But let's—that's just good storytelling. And the fact that it's that it's it, it made a news headline like that—that that police were called because a possible fictional story was told on professional wrestling television, and, and people ate up with it. So I just—I think it's—it's. It, I think it's a masterful stroke by MJF. Dude, like he is one of the ones that really does keep kayfabe um, still alive. Um, I know a lot of wrestlers don't like fans saying that, um, but but looking at it, he really plays that character. Like he really doesn't turn you know that switch off. Um, Mike has has a good comment. I want to see what uh, wait, wait have you weigh in because um, I actually don't recall this. Um, he all, he states that this is the kind of heat that the NWO got when they destroyed Rey Mysterio. Yeah, um, um, I, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. It was back. It was still during the WCW days, is when NWO basically ruled the airwaves of WCW. Because um, I don't know if it happened in WWE yet. I don't know if WWE had purchased WCW yet. 
Um, and I believe they, I believe it was the heat that they got because they were in a very, the, the demographic of the town they were in were very Latino. And I think they did something offensive. Um, but also, I think they also ripped the mask off, which is a big no-no. It, it's a big no-no to rip a luchador's mask off like that. Was that the first time that he had the mask ripped off, or was that after um, the... Uh... No, but he, after that, he kind of had storylines where, they, you know, if he lost, he had to take his mask off, and that, that happened. Um, but this was when he was still wearing the mask, and I believe the NWO ripped his mask off, or... It, it's yeah. been so long since I I did I, that I've seen something like that, that that you know that I saw that storyline with NWO and Rey Mysterio. It's I mean it's been twenty three years since I watched ECW. Yeah, I mean that's when they went under was twenty three years ago. So I'm like yeah. I I can try to remember, but I don't remember. A yeah, lot not of trying to make you feel old, but I was two when that happened. So <laughs> um, I was like, yeah. yeah I was I was thirteen. Right? Really? No, fun. Yeah. So you were, yeah, you had you know, a lot more wrestling experience um, than I did at that time. Frame. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's one of those things that it just makes me, um, I, I've gone back and I watched a lot of, I've watched, you know, a good amount of WCW, some of the matches, um, especially all the ones that you guys, the listeners, have recommended. And man, like, there's some great moments. And looking back now, like, nothing's ever. I guess unique. Well, there's a lot of unique ways you can book things in A in AW, WWE, but you know, fortunately, there's been a lot of ideas that's gonna be like this worked then and it's gonna work now. Um, especially with heels like MJF, you know, he he's like I said, he grabs like and knows how to play that role. Like he's he's studied, you know, Ric Flair, you know, Bobby Heenan. Like he's a very smart guy when it comes to his ring work and his ring psychology. You know, some fans are Kind of, I don't want to get necessarily compare him to Roman Reigns or a Brock Lesnar, but he knows how his time is valuable, and he's at least you know he's showing up to work, you know whether it be a promo or some kind of tweet at least, you know he's putting in the work. Um, I, I guess that's the thing is like he's been probably, I think he'll probably be one of my favorite champions um, as we go further into the company. Just looking at you know all the passion he has, the hatred fans get, you know. There was the, there was that story about the little girl, where he put a very explicit thing on her popcorn bucket, signed to MJF, ate her popcorn and then threw it at her. Like, you know, you don't see much of that in professional wrestling. No, and and and, and like you said, MJF's keeping kayfabe, kayfabe alive, and he understands the history and tradition of professional wrestling, and that's why he does it. Um, cause he respects it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you look at some of these videos from some of the conventions, he, he never breaks character. I mean, I remember one video I watched of him and a guy in a wheelchair showed up and started talking trash to him. <laughs> and, and MJF just, MJF just went off on the guy saying, well, at least I had the designated stand up and talk to you like a man. And like, <laughs> knowing he's in a wheelchair, I'm like, oh my God, dude, this is so much heat. Like, this is great. He doesn't break character. Like he, he just he's a he's just the complete dick, like <laughs> heel, and it works. And I, honestly, I'm right there with you. He may be one of the best champions in professional wrestling going forward right now in this year. Because um, obviously, I mean, will he ever lose the title this year? We don't know. We have we have yet to see it. I mean, we have yet to see if it's yeah. going to happen. Um, 
I mean, but but MJF is putting in that work. I mean, his tweets go out. He is, you know, he makes videos. He's, you know, he's doing interviews. He's going to he's going to professional sporting events. You know, he goes to UFC. He goes to boxing. He goes to basketball games. He's he's all over the place, and he's 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 basically the the face of AEW right now, and he's playing with it so well. And I do see him as this generation's Rick Rick Flair. You know, I I agree with you on that statement. Like, I feel like it was a um, basically a um, almost like a renaissance, I would say, when um, when we started seeing more of MJF's character. Um, I know for me, like, I didn't watch him in MLW, um, but I remember like he was being really like snarky and teasing that Cody heel turn on uh, being the elite before you know, even AEW started. Uh, my like my first moment watching um you know watching mjf he was at cody's house and they were having steaks cigars whiskey you know just being a couple good friends right and um the, cody had to step inside he's like hey mjf can you watch the steaks while you go you know go inside to get you know get some stuff and mjf was a complete jerk to pharaoh and this is where this is where I'm like, okay, this guy gets it. Like he was, he was being, you know, he, you could tell like, you know, things are starting to click and why, you know, he was one of the first signings with AEW and what they potentially, you know, saw in him, what we see now, you know, he literally looks at Pharaoh, he grabs the stick. He's like, you want this boy? And Pharaoh's like, yeah, you want this boy? And he's like, yeah, he takes a big bite of it and then throws it into the trash. <laughs> Just, and and then I think something something happened. I think he hit Pharaoh or something like that, or he well hit because Pharaoh actually is a very well trained dog. But um, I think he hit Pharaoh or did something to him where he's like, "What got into Pharaoh?" So you know that was like my first uh, taste with MJF was that that first you know being the elite um, that I watched uh, with him. Um, what about you? What was like your first um, like recallment of um, seeing MJF? Well, believe it or not, my first time of seeing MJF was in AEW. Um, you know, when he was with when he was with Cody, and then you know he he paired up with um, God, who, uh, he paired up with a bunch of guys to take on you know Jericho and the um, um, the, the inner circle. Yeah, because it was um, what DDP. I think it was the beginning. Yeah, Dustin. it was like him, Cody, and like a bunch of yeah. other guys like teaming up to take on Jericho. That was like my first introduction of it. And I had to figure out, I was like, who is this guy? So I went back and watched a lot of his MLW stuff. And man, was that that was the build. That was the 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 crust of the MJF uh, MJF character that we see now on television. It was just those building blocks in the MLW. You know, he wasn't this um suit wearing, you know, going off on wrestling mark kind of guy. He was just the snarky dick who was just right. a great heel in MLW, you know, I, I believe he still had the scarf, but I don't, I don't think he had the suits yet. He just had his scarf and yeah. just his wrestling trunks. That's all he had back in MLW. Um, and what we're seeing now was that was basically the, the cornerstone of the MGF character. And, you know, that whole story with him, with Cody, and then, you know, them taking on the inner, or inner circle and then him turning on Cody, like it just full circle of his character and um and that was basically my introduction to him and to see where he's at now i'm just flabbergasted on how quickly 
he rose that quickly yeah. and, and, and well-deserved too. You know, the man understands the business. You know, it was very organic, um, like his rise. Like it was probably one of the most organic um, besides, you know, probably Darby Allen in that company mm-hmm. or Hangman Adam Page. Like it just, like, you know, just a crowd reaction. Like we, everybody knew that he was going to turn on um, Cody eventually. Like, I think we all knew that was going to happen. And mm-hmm. I remember that, you know, that promo that he cut where he was like, knock knock Cody and just going on like how did you not see this coming everybody and their mom saw it coming but you you gave me too much trust and just that like that tone and then the whole you know tribulation where Cody had to face you know Wardlow in a steel cage you know that was the first steel cage match in AEW history you know and having Cody moonsault off the top you know I loved how you know Everything just felt like it was intertwined with how great, you know, both Cody and MGF's directions have gone, even though Cody's no longer with AEW. But those two right there are the staples of professional wrestling and still on top. And to have really that being like the biggest, hottest feud to really start off your company, that really says a lot about how much trust Cody has in MJF and, you know, a Wardlow. Because think about it, we didn't really, we didn't really, I didn't really know who Wardlow was. All I know is I saw him doing. You know, a vignette of him just benching like heavy weight. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then have him line up, you know, with MGF. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this was, that was probably one of the best storylines. And then to have those 10 lashings with the belt. <laughs> I have never been so passionate. And like, there's been a couple times I've cried during matches, but during a segment, just to see Cody's face and, you know, what little words that were said, and of course, MJF just being a complete D-bag and just doing, you know, just crazy amounts of damage to that belt to his back. Uh, you know, it really brought out kind of the character that we kind of see now, you know, where he's not afraid to be the biggest salt of the earth, you know, no pun intended with his finisher, but, you know, that was probably one of my favorite moments uh, starting out with his career. Um, what did you think about the, you know, the whole Cody, um, that whole Cody feud? Well, first of all, I don't know if you know this, but uh, someone before that had taken – they basically took that idea. If you remember correctly, it was a feud in ECW. If you've ever watched old ECW um, stories, the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer feuded. And Tommy Dreamer had to take 10, 10 whips from the cane uh, from, um, from Sandman. Yeah. And that was basically the story of where Tommy became the, a fan favorite in ECW because he took his lashes with, uh, with the kendo stick and um, you know, he kept taking a beating and he had the famous line of, you know, thank you, sir. May I have another? And he just <laughs> goes against the ropes and he takes another one from Sandman. Um, so basically that's what AEW did with the lashes with Cody Rhodes. Um, and um, basically that whole story, um, I mean, that story basically where the, was a stepladder uh, and trajectory for both of them. Um, you know, we would have thought, hey, Cody's going to stick with AEW. And once he's finally done within the ring, he's going to go backstage and be like, look, we got to push MJF, push MJF. But then Cody leaves. Yeah. Um, but now he's on the trajectory in the other company to possibly win a championship this year. So by Crazy, the end right? of the year... Yeah, I mean, by the end of the year, we're going to have the two guys with the most compelling storytelling in AEW be champions in two separate promotions. 
but it's also generational gap too. Because you got to remember, I mean, Cody, I mean, if I remember correctly, MJF doesn't have any lineage in professional wrestling. He has no, no family that's never done wrestling. He literally started wrestling. He's because literally the first, first, first generation. He's literally mm-hmm. first generation. Yeah. Whereas Cody is second generation. And, yeah. and like, it's, it's crazy. Like it, you look at it, you're like, holy crap, you got a second generational wrestler who's going to be a champion in one promotion and he had a match with this first generational uh, uh, professional wrestler in this, and they're both going to be champions at the end of the year. That's that. That's that respect and that bri- that bridge that both of them have built together. Um, and 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 it was you know Cody's. I, I, I'm I'm going to say it, Cody's call to be like MJF, you know. And and I think it finally took Tony Khan and the rest of AEW to go. Yeah, yeah, MJF is the guy. Like MJF is the guy. He's a worker. He's going to show up to work. He's going to promote this promote this company. Um, I just said it. He's at. UFC matches. He's at NBA games. He's on, you know, interviews on yeah. sports channels. Like he's he's doing it all. And he's on he's on um, social media. You know, I mean, the respect that this guy gets too. And I don't know if we're going to talk about it. I might be jumping ahead. But the tweets he put out about uh, his buddy, I keep forgetting that Nash, about Nash, and basically saying this guy is not a bad guy. Yeah, you know, he said he goes. I've roomed with him. He goes, I'm Jewish. This guy's not anti-Semitic. <laughs> like yeah. that's the respect that he's got in this company or in this industry, and he understands that. And um, and we'll agree. Like it, it's the same. It's the same thing we talked about with Jay Briscoe. You know, he, it, some dumb shit happened in the past. He, he apologized. He said it was stupid, and people. Some some higher ups in some, certain corporations shunned him. You know, it's the same thing going on with Nash. It's because situation happened and Nash got in trouble, and now he's blacklisted from like professional wrestling. <laughs> you know, um, but then there's there's people like who, like MJF who will put his neck out. Someone who's a champion of a promotion put his neck out for someone who's in deep water within the industry. Yeah. And say, listen, I'm a champion of a promotion, but I can tell you straight up, this guy is not an issue. So, I mean, that's just, and I think he's learned that from Cody, because Cody's been around the business for so long. Um, and um, I mean, even as a kid, um, I guarantee you, as a kid, going around with his dad, hanging out with his brother, doing all this stuff, they, they've been in the industry for a long, long time, the, yeah. the Rhodes family, you know? And so, I think MJF has learned a lot of that under Cody about understanding about who your friends are in this industry. Who, who can you speak up for in this industry? You know, who, you know, who, who can you, who can you guide and make better, not only as a professional wrestler, but as a person in this industry, because that's all it is. is Image Mm -hmm. image is a big thing in anything. And image is a big thing in professional wrestling. And I think a lot of people don't realize that some of these people are human and they have a life outside of professional wrestling. So, but I mean, that's just my take on it about how the story between Cody and MJF, that, that feud basically is where we're at now trajectory wise of where both of those guys are now and how MJF is now the face of a company that Cody founded. And it's crazy. Like just to go, like, like I said, looking at that now to see, you know, you have, you know, the biggest moment of last year with MGF winning that title. 
And then now you have Cody this year, you know, potentially, like I said, winning the, you know, you know, the big one at WrestleMania. Just watching like those two dudes careers, like, you know, MJF even said it best. Like he was Cody like was his mentor, but MJF had to set up, you know, step out of that shadow. You know, it was probably one of my favorite, like I said, it's probably my fa- still my favorite MJF feuds of all time. Um, Ethan, you know, he brings up a good point, and we'll talk about Moxley here in a second. Um, but you know, when you know, literally your three best feuds, you know, CM Punk, you know, one of the biggest superstars in the industry, period, um, has that, you know, John Cena, you know, the rock, that kind of in Hogan appeal, you know, to his character. Um, of course, John Moxley, you know, looking at you know that you know that feud where you know, we thought he was going to win that championship with, you know, with all the stipulations that he was putting in. And we thought he was going to be the one to do throw Mox. And then, of mm-hmm. course, Cody. Like, you know, he had probably, you know, really two of his, like, first big feuds were pretty, you know, early in AEW. You know, the guy has gone around. And mm-hmm. to the point where Jim Cornette does not like AEW. You know, he does Oh, but well, we knew that. We yeah. knew that. But when... But when... You know, when Jim Cornette even mentions or praises, you know, you know, an AEW moment, you know, you've done the job right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Coog, thanks for joining us again. It's always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Um, he thought it was cool. MJF was brought in as Cody's friend, and then those lashes and Cody's was, you know, was the best segment. Yeah, that was, I would say that's probably my top three moments of like AEW that's not wrestling matches. You know, like I said, just because like the emotion tied with that, um, and then you know we get John Moxley and MJF. Um, wh- what do you remember about this feud? Do you remember? Do you remember like any that, of the promos? That was yeah. No, I'm trying to remember some of my favorite moments from that. Um, I, honestly, I think some of my favorite stuff with that feud is uh, anything that. MJF brings in about Regal, um, just because Moxley had so much respect for Regal because Regal is one of the people that kind of looked after Moxley, you know, kind of brought him up in professional wrestling and you know was was his guide through everything. And so anytime MJF just went after Regal, there's Moxley get just standing up for Regal. Um, I think one of the best promos. MJF had in that feud wasn't wasn't even with Moxie, it was with Regal. Um, I think that that promo itself, where he just attacks Regal's history of alcohol and drug abuse, and I mean he gets into the deep stuff, you know. Um, and then finally the payoff of you know Regal helping MJF win and then turning on Regal, like it just almost like I honestly think like this persona of MJF, this the devil incarnate um, character that he says that he's the devil himself. I think this is some of his best work right now in this persona. It's it's almost like we've talked about like last week when we talked about the families and we talked about Randy Orton, his evolution from you know in uh, evolution. Then he's the legend killer. Then he's the viper. You know, it's almost like this is what MJF's doing. MJF comes in as Cody's friend slash now enemy. Then he's building himself up to the salt of the earth, the best in the world. And now he's the devil incarnate himself. 
And so I think this is some of the best work we're going to see MJF do. And honestly, that Moxley feud between him and Moxley and Regal and even, you know, it kind of transitions in with his feud now with Danielson, you know, because that's still an extension storytelling of Blackpool Combat Club. You know, it's still the one circle. And so, I mean, Moxley is a fighter. MJF was the runner and the mouth mouth talker. You know, he, with that feud, you know, and it was crazy because that story, in all honesty, it should have been MJF and Punk. I mean, it, that story, like, I don't think it was meant to be what Moxley and, and MJF was doing, yeah. but they turned it around the best they could. And that goes to show, too, because, you know, talk is Moxley is a good back, back, backstage, you know, locker room leader, you know, and he feels that MJF might be the perfect fit right now to hold the title, you know. And so I honestly thought that wasn't a rushed feud. I honestly thought it was it was good storytelling, especially involving Regal, you know. So I think that's that that's just my take on that. And I think they made you know a uh, basically a great feud out of a bad situation. Uh, not going into too much details because we we've, we've discussed it quite a bit on the show, but the whole um, with with the whole CM Punk and you know the elite um, issues that we had they had backstage like it kind of overshadowed a little bit of MGF's, you know, ladder match win. And to have, I feel like they fixed the issue. Now, you know, fans may not agree or the ratings may not agree, but I feel like they fixed the issue with, you know, that feud with MGF. And what was also great about too, was they called it back to their first, you know, championship feud uh, when Moxley was champion during the pandemic era. You know, I thought they had a lot of good callbacks to that. And then, you, of course, had the whole, you know, you had the William Regal, you know, when William basically turned on Mox for like a split second to teach them that one last lesson. And then to have, you know, MJF, you know, go, you know, go for the win and just a surprise shock to Moxley. Um, mm-hmm. That was very crisp storytelling. Like it was probably, I thought it was probably, you know, course with CM Punk it probably like CM Punk story would have been good too but man you could not write a better finish for William Regal to leave AEW and then you know the Blackpool Combat Club and where they're at now like it's I think they did a really good job at capping off MJF and Moxie's story yep I agree um and honestly uh after this whole feud with Hangman if it is truly over if not I do think Moxley deserves a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah. He needs a vacation. Yeah. Um, Sasha Owens, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, she mentions that Cody versus MJF was a really, you know, was really good for when AEW first started. Yeah. Um, that was, like I said, that was probably one of my favorite. Like I said, it's still probably one of my favorite feuds, besides the next one I want to talk about um, the dog collar match with CM Punk. And. Yeah. And you know that whole uh, that whole series of you know moments and matches. Um, that one I thought just stole the show, stole um, basically spotlight on Cody and Brody's um, dog car match. Um, what did you like going back? What did you think of the presentation of when you knew CM Punk and MJF were gonna have a huge blow off match? But what did you think about when? Um, with Punk's presentation 
of doing that dog collar match? Like, what was your well, thoughts on that? Well, I'll tell you what. Right now, I was there live in Nashville. You were live Punk there? Was there? I was there in oh, person man. in the crowd when Punk was sitting in the ring. He started off the show with a box, and he he had just gone through that series of matches to try to earn that match with with MJF. And everybody's thinking, oh, the payoff match. It's a, it's a cage match. Uh, it's a lights out match. You know, it's all this. Then he opens that box and he just pulls out that dog collar. And everybody went, oh, God. Because we all, because we were all familiar. If you're a true wrestling fan, you're familiar with the dog collar match. You know, it goes way beyond uh, Brody and Cody's match. It goes uh, way beyond. It, 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 went, it goes all the way back to ECW days. You know the pitbulls had 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 dog collar matches like crazy, um, so we were in awe when it was a dog collar match. And when Punk, when MJF came out and didn't say a word, dropped the mic and walked off, a lot of us were like, "Wow, that presentation was amazing!" Because it kept MJF going. He's scared. You, you kept thinking that MJF is scared, but then MJF playing that 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 turning. That little mind game with Punk, you know, I honestly got emotions when MJF was telling his story on TV about being teased as a little Jewish boy. Like that tore me up. I was like, holy cow, because I'll be honest with you guys. I was teased as a kid. You know, I was teased for being short and fat as a kid, you know, so I understood the bullying part of it. So that kind of connected me. I'm like, are we about to get a double turn here where Punk goes heel and MJF goes face? The storytelling there got me going. But then finally, MJF with the low blow and the ring to the head and the blood across the shirt of the picture of him and Punk. Holy cow. And the best part about that whole storytelling was his take on Punk's promo from Ring of Honor of, I'm a snake. <laughs> the la the the best trick the devil ever like that that whole thing like the presentation of that whole feud um yeah God, even goes back to the w yeah the old 70s days too i know i growing up i was ecw so that's what i was introduced to dog cock matches was ecw because yeah. the pitbulls would always handle um and um but man that storytelling between punk and mjf and there's a reason why that was a feud of the year in professional wrestling because it was just so emotional. You got attached to it. And that payoff match, not only did you get to see Punk win that, that payoff match because everybody wanted to see Punk win and kick MJF's ass, but you also got to finally see the, the freedom and resurrection of Wardlow and his cut of ties from both MJF and the Pinnacle. Um, so you got to see two, you know, great stories just come full circle. Um, so I would say that feud was was basically the fire of that of 2021 for for AEW. Um, it's unfortunate that it ended the way that it did because, you know, honestly, you know, Punk's a very passionate guy. Um, he's not quiet. He's going to speak up about things. He's 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 controversial. That's what made him a figure in professional wrestling. Um, and, you know, he comes back and he's finally in a promotion, which I think where he, he would stride. And, you know, unfortunately, injuries caught up to him. And then this backstage inc incident happened. But, um, 
But that that whole feud with MJF and Punk, I, I guarantee that was some of the best storytelling I've seen in professional wrestling. And that includes the storyline that's going on in the other company <laughs> with, right. with with the bloodline. Um, no. I will say that. And no. <laughs> that's good storytelling. But man, that feud with MJF and Punk was such good storytelling. It was literally all the little details um, that made that made the whole like storyline work where it really had probably one of the best payoffs. Um, I know we've said a lot in the show, but it had one of the best payoffs. Um, and not to probably, mention, not to, not to mention the throwback of uh, Punk's Ring of Honor entrance yeah. at Revolution. Like I was like, I was like, wait a minute, and he came out in that gear. I was like, dude, that is his Ring of Honor gear. And, and I was thrown off, and I totally forgot that he came out to AFI in Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Connor is in the chat. Welcome, Connor. Glad to have you on board. I'm sorry about your internet, um, Connor. Re- that was, I guess, that this doesn't surprise me because um, Connor is a very passionate um, CM Punk fan. Um, he loved the feud with MJF and Punk. It was something special in AEW history. And then um, also developed Wardlow as the next big star. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I saw the comedy wrote below that that it doesn't compare to the bloodline, which the and bloodline. that's why I said it. I said that's why it's the best compelling storytelling. It was so it is is way above top tier to what that the bloodline storyline is, um, just because the little tippet drops here and there with punk's past and mjf idolizing punk and that whole story it just it it did touch something because mjf was a fan like us we were fans you know and then the fan became pissed at his favorite star you know when you know when he left you know and they play on that story so i honestly think that 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 feud was above and beyond the best feud within the last I would say probably five, ten years of professional wrestling. So Connor has a um, actually question for us. So let me pull it up here. Um, oops, sorry, uh, Connor asked, "What was your favorite match MJF put Punk through?" Wardlow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that Wardlow because again, that planted the seeds of seeing Wardlow as the next big star in AEW, and the fact that MJF just kept telling Wardlow. Powerbomb him again. Powerbomb like, and you just see Wardlow go, dude. How many more times do you want me to do this? Like he's done. Like, and and it's funny because now that I look at that match of how Wardlow just had a look on his face, like, dude, done. He's already punished. Brings me to, unfortunately, I watched it. Was the Royal Rumble payoff with the Bloodline and Sami Zayn. You know, they're beating the hell out of Kevin Owens, and then Sammy steps in and goes, he's done, dude. He's done. He's below you. Move on. That's what I felt like happened with Wardlow against Punk, was that MJF was telling him, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Wardlow's like, dude, he's done. Just let me pin him. He's done. Yeah. He's going to be done. And then he loses. Punk rolls him up and pins Wardlow, and Wardlow, like, goes, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like, but yeah. that match was really good. I mean, I enjoyed that match very much, though. I mean, it was so much better and had more of a story to it than Punk versus Spears. Like, it really – because Spears just got G- GTS and pinned quick. Yeah. 
Like it was quick. It was a squash. Yeah, poor Spears. Like I feel like he deserves so much better in AEW. Well, and he will. He will. He'll his time will come. And you know, right now he's just starting a family. You know what I mean? So I mean, um, but I think Spears has a lot to more give. And that's another thing. When when MJF brought Sean Spears on part of his crew, I was ecstatic. I was like, because here's Spears. Spears is your hype guy behind MJF, like his best friend. Like it's what you wanted Cody and MJF to be, but heelish now. The heelish type friendship now that you get right. with Spears and MJF. And I loved, you know, the fact the fact when the following week after MJF beat Punk in Chicago they had that introduction of MJF and it's Spears handing like the notes <laughs> to Justin Roberts. I <laughs> loved it. I loved it. I, I that was one thing that um and we'll get we'll touch on the, the pinnacle here in a second. Um but man I loved the pinnacle. I loved the the whole Jericho feud, the pinnacle feud like and I I had a lot of fun um with blood and guts mm-hmm. um with the pinnacle and like looking at it now, that was probably one of the best. Um, that was probably my favorite Blood and Guts match of the ones they've had. Yeah, no, totally. Um, definitely agree that 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 match and just that feud between the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle was just was just great. Yeah, um, <laughs> Connor. Um, this is what so Connor is AEW fan as as y'all know. Um, Connor put that was so funny when Punk beat Spears in seven seconds. He was so hyped for that match and made a graphic for Punk and Spears. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, that was one thing too that I guess like, that's one thing. Um, like the Coog, um, like he just stated, uh, Tony Khan is a magnificent madman. The guy yeah. eats and breathes wrestling history nonstop as a true fan. And I think that's something that I think fans forget because they're used to the whole, you know, Vince McMahon, Triple H, where they are very. They're professional. They'll they'll put their arm around their their stars, but they won't hug or show as much passion as Tony Khan does. And I think fans mm-hmm. forget Tony Khan is a huge a you know he's a huge wrestling fan. And like I said, I would be doing the same thing that he would be doing. Besides, you know, some of the uh, you know the overflation of the roster, but um, I, right. I but I'd be so passionate about my talent and love my talent. Um, and that's what a promoter—that's what a promoter needs to be. They—they they need to be passionate about their their talent because they look at it and they're like, "I have a roster," again, quoted a oversized roster of, of great talent here, and I'm very happy I have them and the product I can put out. Um, there's a reason why I believe he Tony Khan's won Promoter of the Year twice now, right? Correct. Twice. He's I won it twice yeah, now. He, I think he did win it last year as well because I don't think they counted Triple H. No, they didn't. So yes, he did win it last year. Um, although I think they were talking about another. There, there's been so many different um, uh, pro wrestling things where they said promoter of the year. Yeah. In all honesty, if you if you ask people, Tony Khan has been promoter of the year two two years now, and there's a reason for it. It's because he's doing excellent storytelling. Yeah. You know. A lot of things you see in other promotions, especially the other big one, it's just distracts, you know, and, and the products is just not as strong as it should be or what it used to be. Um, and I agree with, with, with Cog is, man, Tony Khan understands the history and the tradition of professional wrestling. I mean, that's why I say I think Tony Khan sees 
MJF as the new generational Ric Flair. He sees something in the kid. He's like, I actually am happy that this kid's in my promotion. <laughs> yeah. God knows what would happen if I lose this kid, which is why I do believe he signs him um, at, at 2024. I honestly think MJF stays at AEW. I, I think he's got it too good there. I mean, he's up top. If he goes over to the other company, he's lost in the shuffle. Basically, like the Miz, like he can't get away with doing. My next big talking point, because we can't, you know, not talk about this. Um, The whole MGF pipe bomb in front of the executives when he called Tony a a mark. (laughs) And that was. A lot of it was real. Um, Tony knew how pissed off MJF was at his position, especially after the big surprise, you know, the pay-per-view, you know, you know, that Sunday before, where Wardlow squashed him, where he missed, you know, he missed the appearance, almost didn't show up. Tony's like, fine, show up. I'll pay you what you want, but, but like I said, but you're getting squashed. Or however that happened, because he, because, MJF, you don't really know if he's a hundred percent, but when he went on um, a couple of those sports shows talking about that, it literally was one of those great, you know, real promos. Especially when he had your executives, you know, literally in attendance that night. That really showed one how much trust um, Tony has for MJF, and two, that was one of the most isolated, the most talked about. Yeah, you know, I guess promo slash controversial things that happened in AEW. And especially when they sent CM Punk, you know, out there after they cut his mic. Um, what, yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, but, but again, controversial sells um, anything. Um, you look at a lot of things. You look at old talk shows. You look at old, like, uh, you know, even, you know, uh, Jerry Springer. You look at, um, you know, old episodes of, um, um, there, there was an old TV host back in the day, uh, a very angry smoking New York conservative guy, Morton Downey Jr., had a talk show back in the 90s. And uh, he was very controversial. He brought on a lot of crazy topics. I mean, but it, but it sold, you know, and then you look at stuff like the pipe bomb. I mean, the first pipe bomb, obviously, you looked was, was CM Punk. You know, he's... And that was what, you know, MJF wanted. He wanted his own pipe bomb. Now, to say that maybe some of it was true and some of it was just, I mean, because you have to think, he couldn't say most of that stuff if it wasn't, most of it wasn't wasn't approved. Um, because no one was going to, I mean, I'll, there's a lot of freedom in AEW, but there's still a little bit of a tight rope on what you can and cannot say on television, but also just in general. On, on, you know, and so you got to look at the blurred lines on that. If what most of what you know MJF was saying was true, yes, yes, it was true at the point that the company was bringing in a lot of ex WWE guys. Um, yes, it's true that MJF might have been lost in the shuffle there. And you know, is it true he's got some talent? Yeah, but I mean, honestly, is, is Tony kind of Mark? I don't think so. He's just a big fan. And he just wants to make a great promotion. And he just knows on a card where to put people. Yeah. Now, whether some talent get lost in that, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. 
But then again, that's why Tony Khan is just a genius when he says, listen, he goes, we only got this on TVs Wednesdays and Fridays. Guess where else we can promote this crap? Online. And that's why he comes up with dark and elevation and do these on YouTube. You know, think about it that way is he's doing those on YouTube and he's showing them for free. Yeah. You don't even need a YouTube subscription. You don't need a, a you know, a, an account. You can watch them for free. He's losing money on that, but he's still making money with everything on Dynamite and, you know, with Rampage and well, also, all of the, obviously, the his dad, like, obviously, his dad being the Jack of Hills. Yeah. Well, but, even then, but, like, he's a very smart guy because we should do a whole podcast on Tony Khan. Um, yeah. But looking at, even though, like, we may not have, like, as big of rings as a lot of people thought they would have, but if you look at it, he's still getting very lucrative deals from you know universal and warner brothers you know, when they had that merger he still ha- apparently rumor has it that he had a really big lucrative deal that they're going to announce uh here very shortly so that, that says something right there to i don't think they like said i don't think tony Khan's a mark if really if anyone's a, if anyone's a mark it would be the fans that don't even watch the product or the ones that you know run like botchmania and ones that run uh, the ringside news, like that, those you know, those kind of pages where they just stir up what they think about pro wrestling when it's not, um, and that's why um, we'll, we'll move on to our next MJF moment. But that's why I think CM Punk will be coming back to AEW. I think they're doing the same path they did with MJF because think about it, MJF went silent. You know, no merch. You know, the reason I got a figure in that time frame was because they were already in production. The thing about it, they stopped his merch. They didn't show him on the website. So it's so crazy to see, you know, and it could happen. And then having that seed planted to where, you know, CM Punk can come back and you can have a great feud with MJF because CM Punk, if he loses to MJF, he's not going to lose any credibility. Yeah. So, I guess it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, before I move on, we're going to go like the comment section here real quick. Um, let's see. And then I'll pull up Connor's, uh, actually our next talking point here in a second. Um, the Coog uh, mentioned not just wrestling history, but also Mexican, Lucha, and Japanese. Uh, Japanese. I can't pronounce that word. Furiseo? I don't know. I don't know that yet. Um, no other promoter in the U.S. does what uh, does that? Um, so, like I said, I like I said, I I loved I would love to meet Tony Khan. Like, I would love to even just pick his brain on just like because think about it, he's what only what three years in the booking AEW at this point in time, uh, you know, recording. So he's still getting his feet wet and understanding what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it'll be like an impact situation where. You know, fortunately, you just get small and small and smaller to where you're basically a small, you know, you're basically a independent show that's doing TV tapings. Uh, I don't think that'll ever happen um, with with AEW and Tony Kong. Because I think there's and there's still like, so there's still a there's really good much, dedicated fan base. Not just that, but there's also too much, still too much money within that within AEW. Yeah. Um. So I asked a question in the comment section. Um, See, um, I asked who's the better pipe bomb, CM Punk or MJF? 
And the coup responded back. Um, this is actually a really interesting point. So the coup put um, – it's a tough one for him to answer. Like, I agree. Like, it would be, it'd be hard to sit down because when I started watching wrestling, it was that time frame – um, oh, so it's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it was that time frame when CM Punk was like when he was gearing up to be the next you know world champion in the summer of Punk. So um, yeah, like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's hard because they're both so very controversial. Um, yeah. But the uh, people, um, he also he like let's see, Eileen. He put Eileen Punk because what he said about the McMahon still holds true today, which it does. Um, especially if they sell to Saudi and Vince is back in a hundred percent control. Yeah. See, I don't see, I agree with that because yeah, because of what Punk said in the pipe in 2011, where he said, you know, this company might be better off if Vince dies, but then his idiot son-in-law and dumb daughter were going to take over for it. Well, Which they did you're for a of time. It, it, it did for a while. Um, and it was, I guess it was doing okay, but it was still not great. Um, and I got McMahon coming back and a possible sell of the company, which is kind of coming to fruition of what Punk said in that pipeline. Because he, he, he said, if Vince McMahon dies or Triple H and Stephanie take it over, technically Triple H is only in charge of talent stuff and day-to-day, like the, 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 the creative. He's not technically in charge of the company. Um, that's still Nick Khan. Nick Khan is sole CEO of WWE. Um, so, yeah, so basically, Punk's fruition is sort of coming true, but I kind of lean towards MJF um, just because of how much passion he had in that promo. Um, because he was kind of speaking from his heart. Um, with Punk, it just felt like he was just airing out his grievances just on air. And it was just a big pipe bomb. No, granted, it was a great pipe bomb. Yeah. It was probably a, a, probably one of the most legendary ones, if not the one. But when MJF came out calling TK a mark and talking about ex-WWE guys and about how he's getting shuffled around and knocked down, and he's got talent. Um, and I can't remember if he's mentioned any other talent in the back, but I mean, he even, I mean, he was speaking. I feel like MJF was speaking on behalf of a lot of the young guys in the back saying, where's our TV time? You know, where's our stuff, you know? But at the same time, it was great storytelling because they did bring punk out. And I believe that was going to carry on to what we saw at revolution or not revolution. Um, Was that all out? Yeah. Yeah. When all out, you know, happened and he came back, you know, that was going to be the payoff. That was going to be the continuation of their story. And then obviously that backstage stuff happened. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were like, well, we want to see the conclusion of, um, of this storyline of punk and MJF. Um, and honestly, that goes back to my point of it, it, it was supposed to be punk and MJF and filling in for that Moxley MJF feud. It was supposed to be the continuation of that. Um, but do we see it where punk comes back? go straight to the title picture again? Or do we see it take the storyline of Punk coming back, teaming with two other guys and taking on the elite? I mean, you yeah. gotta look at it now. Which story is gonna be the biggest seller for your company? 
I don't think it'll be right away. I think it has to be the elite right away. Um, but I think, like I said, it could be like a good middle or towards the end of the year feud, like one last big cap to end, um, you know, end off the year with MJF going. I would say just have him go straight through as world champion and have and have Punk be, you know, have him beat Punk to get that almost revenge in a way, but that but that all that full circle moment come back around. Yeah, no, for sure. And then um, now we're going to get to one of, the, one of the things I think they could have done better um, in AEW history, but I thought it was still a great time frame. Um, the promo that um, MJF, God, I love the promo that um, MJF cut, uh, introduced, introduced the pinnacle at St. Patrick's Day Slam. Oh, man, that was... Like, I love the pinnacle, and I thought literally they were going to be that faction that was going to last... Almost like the horsemen. I really thought they were gonna last a lot longer, but it kind of kind of fell apart a little bit after um Blood and Guts and also after um Stadium Stampede. Uh what was your thoughts uh with the Pinnacle and that whole Jericho versus I loved it. story? I loved it. Um I loved that he brought on FTR and 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 Sean Spears on that. Obviously we knew Wardlow was already part of it, being his like right hand bodyguard. Um, but then when he brought in Sir Sean Spears, and then when FTR came in with Tully Blanchard, I'm looking at that group. I'm like, bro, you got a legend in the ring with you right now, and Tully Blanchard, who's probably in the ear of all those guys guiding them. Yeah. But I mean, you already had a great faction right there who could have gone on to do great things. But I think it's at that point where it gets that point where almost like what happened with Evolution and WWE, where each one of those guys were introduced and were told about who they are, what they represent in the, in the industry of wrestling. But then all of a sudden it fell apart and everybody went their separate ways. Um, just because I think there was just so much talent in that group. I mean, and that group also had a generation, uh, a, a guy in Ric Flair. Yeah. I mean, Ric Flair was, was in that group. And he, at that point he was, he was old as hell. He's still old as hell, but he was still that, still that, worked, that, yeah. that glue the glue from the golden days of professional wrestling. You know, he was the nature boy and he was the guide for those three guys. I mean, he was the mentor kind of like Tully Blanchard being part of FTR with FTR and the pinnacle. Um, so you had those two generate the, the two old school wrestlers within a group, within a faction, possibly guiding those young wrestlers. But then, like you said, just it ended, it fizzled out, you know, it kind of happens evolution, you know, when, you know, Randy Orton started getting, you know, more hungry and became a world champion. You know, that kind of ended there. Um, and then you, you kind of saw that with, you know, you kind of saw it with Wardlow. Once Wardlow, yeah. you know, went face, you basically saw everybody else in, in Pinnacle kind of break away. As soon as he said, I'm no longer affiliated with the Pinnacle, you kind of saw where the Pinnacle kind of fizzled out. It was kind of thing with evolution where once Randy left, he they kind of fizzle out because then Batista kind of got out and then Ric Flair and Triple H kind of fade out and they, they all went their separate ways to start him, which is what you saw with the pinnacle. Um, oh, yeah, yeah it's yeah, a young kid who honestly was <laughs> was probably the youngest one in that group as the leader. You know, the young mind of, because he understand pro wrestling. But then he had the big brawn in Wardlow. Um who you looked at, you're like, holy crap, this guy's huge, and he could be a big star in AEW. 
and he is, you know. Then you got someone like Sean Spears, who's a talented professional wrestler who, it, it, just like Chris Jericho, he could possibly change his persona almost every now and then. You know, he goes from the perfect 10 in WWE and he comes over here and he's the chairman of the board. You know, he can he can change his character like a Chris Jericho. And then you got a talented, probably one of the best tag teams in the world in FTR. You know, you, you pick these guys up. They have great history uh, at, at Independence um, and, and, WWE and, now in, and then Ring of Honor and now AEW. You know, you, you get all those groups, th- those guys together. And I honestly thought that faction was going to go further than it did. Um, but I'm actually glad it, it kind of fizzled out because now you're seeing the start of, of every single one of those guys in that group, especially the big two in MJF and, and Wardlow, but also in, in FTR, you know, and hopefully, you know, they get their long break that they need to, to spend time with their families. So but like that, I'm, I'm not one of these fans who are like, oh, I want them back soon. I want them. I understand they have a life outside of pro wrestling and they want a lighter schedule so they could be home with family, you know? So I'm like, let them take their, let them take their little, their little break. Let them do independent shows. You know, they don't have to big, big, big promotions. You know, I'm planning on going to NWA this weekend. Maybe I'll see them there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, but, um, but, but then you look at someone like MJF, you, you saw the the talent in MJF and the fact that you put him as a leader of a faction that speaks volume of, a, of, a, of a talent on a roster. When, you're the promoter or you're part of the, the, the creative process in that promotion. And you're like, you guys can be a faction, but as a leader, it's you like, and they look at you and said, we have faith that you can be a leader of this faction. And that was that MJF. And that to me spoke volumes. I was like, Holy crap. MJF, one of the youngest guys on the roster in charge of a faction of literally three generational guys and another up and coming performer in Wardlow. And so with that pinnacle, I honestly thought it was great. It was a great faction. And the fact that it was the play on words of MJF saying, we are the pinnacle of professional wrestling. And I loved it. You know, that was one of, that was probably like, you know, that was probably one of the best things to do at the you know, pinnacle and looking at it now, you know, think about it, every one, unfortunately, except for Sean Spears has held gold in that company, mm-hmm. you know, so you literally Which I feel to... Sean, Sean Spears might once he comes back. I, I honestly think he had he had a lot come he had a lot of momentum coming into the promotion too. I mean his feud with Cody, I can you know, and then his his joint partnership with MJF and then the creative of the Pinnacle and just his his characteristics his his ability, you know the fact. And then I, I don't know if a lot of people saw it, but when he came back, um for that match with, I believe it was FTR, it was him, FTR, and I can't remember who they went against, but it was in Canada. It was the show in Canada. You know, when Dynamite, yeah, when Dynamite went off the air, he cut a promo, you know, and, you know, you saw, saw the kind of guy that Sean Spears is. You're like, this guy comes back, he's going to be a great babyface. Like, you, you saw him cut a babyface promo, and I feel that's how you bring him back. Because right now, I feel like you got a lot of heels on the roster. And you need another baby face. Maybe that baby face would be a Sean Spears. Yeah. You know, and that's, and looking at now, that kind of leads into, um, you know, blood and guts and the whole Jericho uh, feud and the whole labors of Jericho. Um, I loved, 
I loved um, MJF pushing Jericho off of the, uh, you know, the war games type blood and guts cage. You know, that was, that was, you know, I know it's, you know, a little sports entertainment just because he landed on a crash pad, but I'm okay with him landing on a crash pad, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and to watch, you know, watch, watching that. And then um, what did you think about that blood and guts match? Like, did they, like, do you think it lived up to its expectation um, I thought it did, and then some, and then to have that. I'd have finish. to go back. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Um, but from what I can remember, it was a great, pretty much finish of the feud of the two factions. Um, because that I believe that happened after the Stampede match, correct? The Stampede match yeah, happened. It, it was, yeah, it was that too, and then. Um, so the Stampede match was really good, and honestly, you could have ended it there. Um, but being a wrestling promotion, you got to go bigger and better. And so having that blood and guts match was, was, was the big payoff. Um, and I think it ended the, the rivalry between the two groups very well. Um, it kind of also gave the, the idea of the trajectory of where those groups were headed. Um, obviously, um, the inner circle had their issues and kind of, broke away and then you got introduced to the Jericho Appreciation Society with still keeping Jake Hager and, and Sammy Guevara on board. But then you lose that, you lose uh, uh, Santino Ortiz. And then you look at something like the Pinnacle where MJF and you know Sean Spears kind of stuck together. And then you had Wardlow there as the hunch guy, but then you know FTR was kind of in between because they were they they loved Wardlow. You know, they were the Wardlow guy, you know. Um, and then when Wardlow left, that kind of put a damper in, in the pinnacle. Yet you got three out of the five members of of uh, uh, Inner Circle now in a new group, whereas now you got the pinnacle completely scattered all over the place. Um, but I think that Blood and Guts match, um, it had its moments. Um, like I said, I have to go back and watch it. I haven't watched it. I, I can't remember a lot of it. Um, if I remember correctly, a chair with barbed wire was used, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, which was very entertaining. Uh, and then, um, yeah, no, honestly, I think that was probably one of the best faction feuds in a while. Um, as much as people like to talk about the, uh, Jericho Appreciation Society and Blackpool Combat Club, I, I honestly thought the Pinnacle and, uh, Inner Circle was probably one of the better faction yeah. in professional wrestling you know looking at it now um even like it's crazy to see how much of an impact working with jericho had on mjf you know i remember i was there for the the trials of jericho i was there for one of the first moments with when jericho went up against sean spears and then i was there the night that he uh beat mjf you know mjf you know cheated and they had to reverse the decision yes uh, and I remember, like, the crowd being crazy on both those times. You know, without MGF, we never would have got Nick Gage on an AEW program. And I remember That's being there when they announced Nick Gage. And this is right after, um, you know, he had his match with Matt Cardona. That and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to kill Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, when when – when he introduced Nick Gage and the idea of deathmatch coming to AEW, I think that was also a good call on Tony Khan introducing the crowd to a new style of wrestling. 
um, because it, it gave me vibes of a death match, a death match happening in a promotion that usually doesn't do death matches. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when ECW it, it invaded Raw in the early days and basically did all this extreme crap. And uh, you don't see that on, on WWE, you know? Yeah. Um, but that, I think MJF also, again, that's just the brilliance of MJF. Um, and I think it was, I think it was a group effort, you know, between MJF, Jericho and Tony Khan saying, Hey, with the storyline of the, you know, the trials of, of Jericho, who can we bring in as opponents? And, you know, that's also the legacy that Jericho has and the connections MJF has with the professional wrestling. Um, that's another relationship that I can compare to MJF and Cody, um, is MJF and Chris Jericho. Because here's another generational talent in Chris Jericho seeing something in a younger generational talent like MJF and giving him the keys and the and the car to be like, here, kid, this is your now. You know, this is you. Like, this is you setting up. And that feud happened literally right after the Cody and, and MJF feud. Yeah. That was literally the next feud for MJF after Cody was Chris Jericho. What was that feud? And a lot of people sort of remember and forget that in the early, like, you know, earlier on in AEW's, you know, uh, existence. Because everybody wants to talk about the early days where it's like Cody and MJF, but a lot of people forget about the trials of Jericho fighting against MJF. And again, that's, (laughs) I mean, that that last match where you thought MJF had retired Chris Jericho, and then here comes Audrey saying, no, 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 MJF cheated. And now, you know, you had this character of MJF feeling, oh, dude, I'm getting, I'm getting screwed. Nobody likes me. Blah. Well, that's because you're a dick. But yes. Um, but man, that feud with Chris Jericho, is, it's, it's kind of the same feud with MJF and Cody. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you had that, you know, someone who founded AEW guiding this young talent and then a talent from decades of professional wrestling going, all right, I'll guide you too because I see something in you as well. You know, so that's just the guidance of um, veterans within the industry guiding someone like MJF in the right direction. You know, and I think also looking at, too, um, as we uh, get ready to wind down here, I think you all saw some of the more, I guess, fun side of MJF. You know, two of my favorite MJF moments, you had um, the, the New York, uh, show tune Frank Sinatra style, you know, style um, video of the dinner la Venere where Jericho was talking about, you know, when they're trying to up, you know, keep upping the game when they're just ordering steaks and the waitress just brings them two raw steaks. But one thing I liked about it, and a lot of people, this is a very interesting um, take I actually, I heard on um, what culture wrestling was, it, this was all in Jericho's mind. That's why he was still the star. But then at the end, you see him, how he's all gassed after just a Broadway dance. MJF wants to do another verse. Um, like that was probably one of my favorite, I think, laughing moments with MJF. Like, um, do you recall the dinner living Le- there? See, that was one of the things I, 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 I can't remember of <laughs> that I think um, I kind of forgot about. Oh, but I, I honestly think the week after... I think the, the biggest laugh and the biggest mark out I got 
was, and I didn't realize until later who, who it was, but when MJF came out on that little throne after beating Punk and CM, uh, CM Punk in Chicago and made out with that girl on the apron. And I, I go, God, this guy. I said, this guy is just making out with a random girl until I realized later that's his fiance. <laughs> and they played it off so well. And though, they played it off girl. so well. I was like, I would not expect. I thought it was just a random girl MJF was going to make out with, and she had no idea he was going to do that. I thought it was all off the top of the head where he got one girl kiss his cheek, and then he's like, and then he makes out the other one. I'm like, dude, this is brilliant. But then finding out it's his fiance and and actually she paints too. She does paintings. She sells paintings. Yeah. Like and she's really good too. Um and did you see the Moxley painting she did because him I did. And him, that I, was I have gotten a fight. Yeah, her and I and Jam got into a fight. Which is funny because he yeah, he's engaged to her, but he also is his character in front of her, which is great. Um which which is which is that was a funny moment for me. For, for MJF and then any videos I see of him at conventions just crack me up. So, you know, like I said, he's really uh, making it very entertaining for the fans. Um, and then, so as we start to wind down here, um, I'm going to ask you just a couple, couple little, just give me a couple wrestlers. Um, one that we haven't mentioned tonight, um, who has also given MJF like maybe like a mini feud, like a good mini feud or just a great just match in general, just out of the blue. Um, who for you like has um, MJF gone against that you were like, dang, this match was great. Wow, that's a yeah, that's a good question. Because he's because uh, a lot of the feuds happened in factions. I, I feel a lot of his matches happened when he was part of factions, um, whether it was faction matches or just two member him versus another member of the faction. I mean, you could go on. Um, with him and, and Pinnacle against Inner Circle, when he wrestled a bunch of guys there. Um, I do believe, I don't know if he's had a match with him yet. I can't recall. There's been so many matches. But Jungle Boy comes to mind. Um, have they? I don't think they've had a match together. Have they? I thought so. I, I remember I think, it. I think that is that would be a great match. Um, now, whether it happens is still far from the telling of it. I mean, when they interviewed Jungle Boy that one night on Dynamite, and he says, I respect Hook, he goes, but I've done the tag team stuff, now I want more. That gives me memories of Wardlow, Wardlow's first promo uh, when, he turned, when he broke away from MJF at the Pinnacle, saying this is Wardlow's world, and I'm, I'm taking it all. And yeah, that's what Jungle Boy reminded me of. It's like, dude, Jungle Boy could be in line to have a good feud with MJF because you got someone in Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, who's very young, very talented. It's got got great, great ring work. Works well with a lot of good, a lot of people. And then you got someone like MJF. I think after after this, <laughs> I say you try to work your way with Jungle Boy against. You know, you have Jungle Boy win the Revolution ladder match. Yeah. You know, and then you got him next in line to get MJF after MJF beats Danielson, which I know a lot of people will say we'd love to see Danielson at least win the title. I just think right now the momentum's so good with MJF, you don't take the title off of him. Yeah. 
Well, and, and uh, back to your Jungle Boy. So they did go against each other um, in May of 2020. So it was right, by September. Yeah. Was little, right during, uh, it was either during, was it? When did, it was yeah, during, it was like the right during the pandemic. Yeah. So yeah. that's why a lot of, um, I think that's why a lot of people didn't, don't remember it. Like, um, but like I said, you could plug them, you could plug him into, you know, a storyline easily with, you know, MJF. Um, another one that I would like to see revisited, you know, since we're talking about it, would be Darby Allen. Yeah, because their feud also happened like a little bit after the pandemic, correct? Yeah, they have. They've had a couple of different spats. That's the thing. They had. Um, I believe I know they had a match last year. Uh, I think it was Revolution because it opened. It was it was either Revolution or All Out. Um, I think it was All Out because it was right after like the, there was the dynamite where a limo pulled up and like a bunch of masked people attacked Darby Allen. Yeah, and they're all like, "Oh, it's the Pinnacle! It's the Pinnacle!" And then Darby Allen showed up in the crowd and attacked MJF. So I think their payoff match was at All All Out. Yeah, because I remember it just being one of the best, like, actually, Matt worked matches that Darby Allen's had. Um, mm-hmm. It was very worked well. Um, you know, also looking at, too, you know, you had that small little feud with Brian Pillman Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another very controversial um, moment in MJS career, bringing up Brian Pillman and all, you know, all the experiences. And, and, and Brian Pillman's mom. Yeah, Brian Pillman's mom. Yeah. You know, it was one of those ones that was like, dang, this, this is a, yes. Yeah, it was one of those things that was like, dang, this is a, like this, that was just a really good small feud, you know, and yeah, Brian Pillman, some pretty decent TV time too, which I was really surprised about. Yeah. But you need that, contra- yeah. I think you need that controversial promo and that fire up baby face to help um, sell your New York uh, show. Right. I mean, and that's another thing is, like I said, we talk about these guys. I mean, we've already had the thing with Ricky Starks. I, I don't mind if they revisit that at some point. Um, Jungle Boy would be great uh, with the crowd now because of yeah. how over Jungle Boy Jack Perry is right now with the crowd. Um, I think another person you, you bring back that you'd be like, oh, he's back. He's going to be his friend is Sean Spears. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, Sean Spears – could be in a because, like I said, you, you don't have many baby faces right now to, to face MJF. You don't. So what do you? What would you get if you get the former best friend? It's kind of like the the full circle of MJF and Cody, where you now got Spears comes back and is now feuding with MJF. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of there's some pretty good baby faces that you could easily. Um, you could put on that could go up against MJF or just create your baby face. Like you said with Sean Spears, you know, there's a story there and you could easily tie in, you know, I was so frustrated with the pinnacle and the pinnacle we were supposed to be on the top, but I ended up being on the bottom and literally not wrestling for months. So yeah. like I said, there's stories there. So, um, yeah, honestly, uh, like I said, I think, um, Thing, another good match that and a good feud. Well, I mean, it's a group feud, but also a good match that MJF had was Wheeler Yuta, which Wheeler is another was surprising good match yeah. that he had. You know, that was that was another like great little like moment and little mini feud that you could easily like said another one that you could revisit down the road. And this is just me throwing a match out here, but you know, 
why don't you, you know, make it a uh, Ring of Honor's pure rules match? Yep. You know, Yuta has that now Ring of Honor lineage with lineage with having that, you know, that pure rules belt. Um, so that would be fun to see. You know, you, you could do a champion versus champion match, or you could just do a pure rules match and say, hey, like if you're, you know, if you're not, like I said, I want to risk it all. Or like, there's a lot of stories that they could tell. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our MJF spotlight for episode 10. Um, I thought it was a really good episode. Actually, this is probably one of my favorite episodes we've recorded. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. And I, I love the idea that, you know, and I think you meant to say the second Thursday, right? Not Tuesday. Yeah, sorry. Second Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> so the second, I like the idea that the second Thursday of every month is a spotlight on a wrestler. So, yeah. Like I said, I think it'll be fun to just kind of talk about um, our different opinions and takes on, you know, that said wrestler. Um, for the next, um, for the next one, I'm going to put a poll up on our um, on our socials, or I'll have Connor do it, um, and we'll have we'll have a vote to see um, who we'll do for next month's um, uh, spotlight. Cool, I like that. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, like I said, uh, next week we'll be back, of course, uh, same time, seven central. Um, next week we're gonna have, I we're gonna do a kind of a small list episode where we are going to try to predict the next three AEW world champions. Oh, oh boy! So this, I want to see if our lists are similar. Um, so like I said, so we'll like I said, so we'll do a, like, a fun little predictions list next week and discuss why we think we, you know what pick. And then um, we'll also be back tomorrow night for our rampage watch along here um, on at nine central. So if you guys want to come back and talk rampage with us, um, we'll have a, a very fun watch along. Um, hopefully Connor will be back tomorrow. Um, unfortunately he did have, uh, some technical issues uh, due to circumstances out of his control. Um, so uh, don't be mad at Connor for missing tonight. It was, like I said, it wasn't his fault. He was all ready to go. We had, you know, we had a per, you know production, you know, messaging earlier, and we had everything lined up for tonight's episode. And unfortunately, right before we went on there, boom. So he'll be back on tomorrow. Um, other than that, uh, that's good. Like I said, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Uh, make sure you guys uh, hit the uh, little bell button down below and subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. Um, Connor is hard at work right now on a couple um, previously recorded videos. We also have card breaks, uh, vlogs about wrestling events, and a couple other things that are on our YouTube channel. So if you haven't had a chance, go check them out already. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at all Elite Zone One, where we post our polls, we post you know upcoming shows and information about our special guest. Uh, we do have a guest uh, coming up this Wednesday, so it's going to be awesome to sit down and interview one of Ring of Honor's um, one of their stars. I can't remember his name off the top of the head. Do you remember who we were interviewing Wednesday? Oh, what's his name? Um, I can't. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, I just. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to our social now. Give me a second. I'm sorry. We'll we'll end up here. Give me just a second here. <laughs> it is. I'm so sorry. Like we we've had a couple of reschedules on our guests, so yeah, a few of them are of honor. So I mean, obviously, Lady Frost too is another one that's yeah, Lady Frost is coming be up. rescheduled. Yep. So there's Tony Depp in. We already had him on the show. 
I yeah, well, we will have a guest on Wednesday. Um, I do apologize, folks. So make sure you check our social media out for who we'll have here on here Wednesday. Um, make sure you follow us on Spotify. Spotify, we have some other shows and other um, recorded content on Spotify, Podbeam, and we are just growing our podcasting, you know, empire here. And uh, share with your friends. Um, that's gonna do it for tonight's episode. I want to say thank you to my wonderful colleague, friend, and my favorite tag team partner, Adam. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Again, it's always a pleasure to talk wrestling with you. Uh, Lang, thank you for always having me on uh, Talking Lean on Thursdays. This is, besides Dynamite Reaction, this is also my favorite thing to do right now is the Talking the Elite. So Yeah, like I said, it was, it's always a pleasure. You all have a lot of great insights and a lot of great history and that great big bald head of yours. So... Um, it's always a pleasure to have you. Um, that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, we will see you guys tomorrow night for Rampage Watch Along, and we'll see you guys next week for Talking Elite.